In case you're wondering who that Cape Crusader of singing was, it's Kathy Rumsey. Kathy, say your last name now. Cook. Oh, easy enough. Kathy Rumsey Cook. Since she's not in your bulletin, we put her in at the last moment. Aren't you glad? Take your Bibles if you would. If you find Revelation chapter 1, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 8. Revelation chapter 1. You will find that, and we'll be ready to read that here in just a moment. Thank you so much to Kathy. Thank you to Aaron, Sarah, and our choir leading us in worship today. We look forward, of course, to two or three weeks from now. We'll have a special music presentation and excited about that. Lots of things that are happening, but we do welcome you here to what is the busiest traveling day of the year. Any of you that have ever traveled on Sunday after Thanksgiving, you've been stuck in traffic and it comes on the radio that it's the busiest travel day, and you say, yeah, we know it is, and that's true. Many are traveling today, and uh, we're, our prayers for those who are members are traveling, but also we're thankful that you traveled here uh, to be with us, Parkway Baptist Church, and we're glad that you're here today. Know that the Lord has great things in store as we find ourselves in God's Word, continue to study. Special day for us to come and be together today. We're reading today from Revelation chapter 1. In verse 1, I'm going to ask, would you stand and honor the reading of God's Word today? This now is the Word of God, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave Him to show to His servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending His angel to His servant, John, who bore witness to the Word of God, to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that He saw. Blessed is the one who reads about the words of this prophecy, Blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you, peace from him who was, or who is, and who was, and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, firstborn of the dead, ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him. Even those who pierced Him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. Even so, Amen. Verse 8 says, I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word today, and you may be seated. It is also the time of year in which a lot of new movies come out. I like to go to the movies, though I don't go really all that often. But when I do go to the movies, I find myself, I like to sit on the back row because I can't do it in church. I like to sit it on the back row of the back row Baptist, I guess. Now, if you take me to the movies, I'll sit wherever you want to sit. You understand. But that's what, and I like to go early to the movies, one, so I can get the back row, but also I like to watch the previews. Now, not everybody feels the same way, but I enjoy watching the previews. Sometimes the previews are better than the movie. They're often better than the movie that is previewed, but the previews are better than the movie itself, but often. And i got to tell you, if I'm going to spend as much as it costs, and I'm for a movie ticket and popcorn and a Coke, I want to get all the good I can out of it, you understand. Well, I say that to say that today serves kind of as a preview in many regards. One, it's a preview because we're going to be doing in January a study in our worship times and at other times on the seven churches in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. So it's kind of a preview of that as we get ready to be a church on missions we talk about 2019 but also you want to understand that today's kind of a transition Sunday it's between Thanksgiving and Christmas and we actually have an extra Sunday this year because of the way the calendar falls and so a lot of times this is the first Sunday of Advent after Thanksgiving but first Sunday of Advent actually begins next Sunday so it's kind of a transition time but we also want you to be 
ready and kind of preparation time for us as we get ready for Christmas. In fact, we're going to do a series of messages in December. It's going to be under the title of Simple Christmas, and we have been studying Joseph in the Old Testament, and so we're going to study some of the passages where Joseph in the New Testament is involved. We're studying about Jesus, but it will be in the passages where Joseph is involved under the, t- under the title of Simple Christmas, and we want you to be ready. But also, it is a preview time because just as we have read in the Bible, we know that Jesus is coming again. It talks about it here in these verses. And just as, we, just as sure as we are that Jesus was born in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago, we believe and we know that Jesus is coming again for His children and the completion of His perfect plan for redemption. So for our purposes this morning, I'll, I want you to get all the good you can out of the next month of preparation for Christmas as we begin the new year and as we prepare to be servants of the Lord Jesus until He comes again. And we don't want anyone to be left behind. Now, preaching on Revelation, even in the first two or three chapters, it have a little prophetic feel to it. But we want to preach and teach the book of Revelation, not because it's the popular thing to do. We want to preach not simply so that we might be able to know the symbols or uh, know uh, the, uh, what's going to happen in the future, but because of what it teaches us about Jesus Christ. Let's... Let's talk about Revelation for just a moment. Now, we just got through with a series on Genesis, and now we're in Revelation, and hopefully that speaks to us that we believe in the entirety of God's Word from Genesis to maps. And we want to be able to know it and understand it and be able to apply it. As we talk about Revelation and prophecy, most of us lean one way or another. and There are certainly extremes when we talk about Revelation and prophecy. One extreme is, is we want to have little to do, perhaps, with revelation and prophecy. It's too hard to understand. Leave it to the experts. There's too many symbols, too little application. We might piously say, we just trust God that it all is going to work out in the end, and we're not going to worry about it. The other extreme is that it's all that we want to talk about. It's all that we like to hear about is prophecy. Just the mention of revelation and our spiritual mouths begin to water. If it's prophetic preaching on the radio or on television, turn it up. Or we'd like to hear that particular preacher that talks about the things in the news or be able to hear and understand the happenings that are taking place that are fulfillment of the prophetic things that it says in the Bible. In fact, I think there's an app for that that you can put on the phone. If we were stuck on a desert island and we could only have one and a half books of the Bible, it'd be the book of Revelation and the last six chapters of the book of Daniel. Now, we may not be to that extreme, but most of us lean one way or the other when it comes to prophecy. Do you know where I am? I kind of lean a little more toward the first group. I probably will not be your favorite prophetic preacher, at least maybe not yet, but I do not pretend to understand everything there is about prophecy or in Daniel and the book of Revelation, but I do believe God is going to work it out in the end. I will preach on prophecy from time to time, mostly to tell you that Jesus is coming again. And we want to be ready by putting our faith in Him and by walking by faith. But I'll also tell you how very important this book is. Not so that we'll know all the signs, seasons, and the symbols, but so that we'll know more about the Savior. So regardless of how you lean toward prophecy or lean away from that which may seem hard to understand, this morning I hope that you begin to lean forward with great excitement as we look at this very important text, these important verses, and make application for today. Walk with me, if you will, through these passages as we highlight just a few of the things that are said here this morning. Notice the first few words of chapter 1 and verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Now you know that word, revelation. 
It is from the Greek word that is apocalypsis. And you'll understand it's from where we get the word apocalypse. Apocalypse means to unveil or to reveal that which was hidden. So it means to reveal or to uncover openly. Now sometimes we read the book of Revelation or passages in it, and it seems to do just the opposite. It seems more kind of confusing than maybe understanding or revealing something to us. Now, albeit some people can read the book of Revelation and they tend to seem to understand and know exactly what that says. I'm always leery of people like that. Well, uh, here's one of the problems we often have. We want to understand secrets about the future, but we look at the first five words of Revelation, what or who is being revealed. It is a revelation about, it is from and of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's important for understanding and revealing the glory of Christ. Now, this uh, study will not be a prophetic study where you can write down all the symbolisms and how they fit into the charts of the future of the universe, though we will talk about symbols. But Revelation, in the book of Revelation, and even this passage is God's picture book or illustration about His plan. This becomes much less applicable to our daily lives and all we see are hidden meanings get bogged down with predictions and pontificating. It becomes a lot more clear when we realize what it is saying and what it teaches about Jesus. And the more we learn about the Savior, the more we learn about Jesus, the more we learn about ourselves, about God's plan for our lives, and even how our church and what our church should be doing. So this passage, it reveals several things about Jesus, and there are several titles or descriptions about Jesus. Some of those are found in verse 5, if you've got that in front of you. You'll be able to find that along with me. One of those titles, and if you follow along on your notes, you could write this down, is that He is the faithful witness. Jesus is called the faithful witness. It's a a reference to the ministry of Jesus while He was here on earth. He came and proclaimed the love of God to a lost world. Now, if you have an important message that you want to share with someone, you're going to send an important messenger or a messenger so that somebody might be able to understand a messenger or a witness that can be trusted. John 18 and verse 37 says this, Jesus said, To this end I was born, and for this cause I came into the world, that I may bear witness to the truth. Now there was only one way to get the truth to those on earth. It was to send the Son from heaven. And the word for witness in the original language, it's actually the same word for martyr. So it could be, and could even say here, the faithful martyr. Jesus was faithful to come and to bring the message. He was faithful to the very end. He gave His very life to be a witness about the love of God. Another title, actually there also in verse 5, is that He is the firstborn of the dead. Jesus was the first to come back to life, to never die again. He, He was the first to be resurrected with a new body, not to be made alive and to die again, but He was the first to be able to come alive and to live forever. Now, the firstborn is not a reference to time, but to importance. He is the supreme one. Of all who will be raised from the dead to be alive in Christ, He is the preeminent one. He leads the way. Faithful witness speaks of His ministry. Faithful, or firstborn from the dead, speaks of His mission. Third title, also in verse 5, has to do with He's, he's the ruler over the kings of the earth. Now, of the three descriptions that we have looked at so far, this is the only one that the earth... Those people, meaning us here, have not been able to witness fully. 
We believe it to be true, but we've not witnessed it fully. We know that Jesus has come to earth. He came and dwelt among us. We know that He rose from the dead. Many saw Him, 500 at one time. But we've only been able to see a glimpse of His kingdom so far. If you look down a little further in your notes, talking about some of those passages that have to do with His kingdom, in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 37, He's called the King of Heaven. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 2, He's the King of the Jews. And John 1.49, the King of Israel, virtually the same thing. 1 Timothy 1.17, He's called the King of the Ages. Psalm 24.7 is called the King of Glory. Revelation 15.3, He is the King of Saints. When He comes again and be written on His thighs, He comes in victory. He is the King of Kings. Now this revelation and all of God's Word is an unveiling of His kingdom. Why would we not want to read it? One of those psalms in the Old Testament, Psalm 89, is one of those messianic psalms, speaks of Jesus. And there God said, I will make him my firstborn, higher than the rulers of the earth, and a faithful witness. And perhaps as John is pinning these words and he's being given these words, maybe coming from this particular psalm in the Old Testament. The other title or the description we have in Revelation 1 or one other that we look at today is that he is a member of the Trinity. He's a member of the Trinity. Now the word Trinity, we understand, is never used in the Bible, but it's revealed in several places, such as this passage. And Boy, I don't want you to miss this. I want you to be able to see where it is revealed and see why it's important, because we see it here in Revelation chapter 1 in John's greeting to the seven churches. In fact, it's found in verse 4 and the beginning of verse 5. Let's... It, is revealed as John is giving his greeting to the churches. He's speaking who it's from. Let's begin, work our way backwards. Look at verse 5, the very first few verses, first few words there. And it says, and from Jesus Christ. So we understand the second person of the Trinity. It is from greetings from Jesus. And then it says, greeting, uh, greetings from the seven spirits. Now the seven is one of those symbolism words, symbol of perfection. But this is a reference to the Holy Spirit. It's often used, those of you who love symbols, well, you want to write this one down because it's used a lot of times in the book of Revelation. Seven spirits refers to the Holy Spirit. And then it says if the first greeting is from God the Heavenly Father, the one who was and who is and who is to come. This description is repeated again in verse 8 that we read just a moment ago where it says He is the Alpha and Omega, the Lord God. He's the Almighty. It's equivalent to El Shaddai, the Old Testament Word for God Almighty. It's repeated again in chapters 21 and 22 of Revelation. And when it comes in the last chapter of Revelation, in chapter 22, it speaks of the one who is Jesus. It is that description that He is the Alpha and the Omega, the one who was, who is, and who is to come. So the Trinity reveals His identity. The Trinity reveals His identity. He is God in the flesh. I love this verse from Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 7. In fact, I think this was a vacation Bible school verse a few years ago. And it says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. (laughs) Jesus is God. And not only does He rock, but He reigns. He's the ruler of the ages, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end which must mean that Jesus has everything under control. He has authority over all things. We need to understand that not everything that happens in this life, particularly the bad things and the tragic things, do we need to blame on God. 
Or do we need to blame on Jesus? We do understand that nothing happens in this life unless it sifts through the hand of God. But we can know this, that God is always at work regardless of what we're going through, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what we face. God will and can work out His plan. And we, even those of us who are believers, we've seen but a glimpse of His rule so far. But we see His reign in entirety when He, when he comes again. But I want you to notice verse 7 that we read. It's kind of a key verse not only for this text, for all of Revelation, maybe even for everything that's being revealed in the, in the New Testament. Cornerstone of certainly the 22 chapters of Revelation. Here's how it says it in the message. And yes, He's on His way. Riding the clouds, He'll be seen by every eye. Those who mocked and killed Him will see Him. People from all nations and all times will tear their clothes in a mint. Oh yes. What do we do with this information? John writes that every eye will see Him and this will not be hidden. There will not be some clues at that time that some will see and some will not. There are clues now, and some people are ready to see, and some will not, some are not. But in that day when Jesus comes, everyone will see, even those who pierced Him. A reference to those who particularly placed Jesus on the cross, maybe even a reference particularly for the Jewish people who put Jesus on the cross, whom the Lord wants to save. And all Jewish people will be saved who put their faith in the Lord Jesus and ask forgiveness of their sin. The difference will be, of course, in those who believe and those who do not believe before Jesus comes. If it's before Jesus comes that they put their faith in Him, they and we will rejoice. If they do not put faith in the Lord Jesus before He comes again, well, it will be too late. So this is a prophecy of what the things are going to happen in the future. Verse 1 says it's about what's going to be happening in the future. It's a prophecy and it's also a warning. But it's also a reference to you and me. For it was our sins that placed Jesus on the cross. It was our sins that pierced the hands and the feet of Jesus as well. Do you remember that spiritual song that we sometimes sing at Easter time? Were you there? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? We were there. Or at least our sins were there. And they were placed Jesus on the cross. Then the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 that Jesus died, not rose again, and after 40 days Jesus ascended in the clouds, and He will return in the same way. Whenever you see clouds in the New Testament, it often, almost always represents God's presence and His glory. Jesus will return in all His glory. Every eye will see Him from all nations of the earth. And we don't know when, so we need to be ready. But according to verse 1 and according to verse 3 that we read just a moment ago, When's it going to take place? Well, I read from the ESV and it says it's going to take place soon. Some translations say quickly. Verse 3 says the time is near. Well, it's been a couple of thousand years. So does it seem quickly? Now, we understand and Peter tells us that the Lord is patient and not wanting anyone to perish. And one day is a thousand years, a thousand years is as a day. So that could explain it. By the Lord's calendar, my goodness, it's just been a couple of days. Uh, the word quickly also means imminent or certain. So we know it's certain, and when it happens, it will happen quick. 
Have any of you heard of this? Uh, there's a football game played every year. I think the name of it is the Iron Bowl. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's going to come every year. It's imminent. It's going to be here. It could be that the outcome this year might have even been certain before the game started as well. I, my time here at Parkway is measured pretty easily for me. I started the week of kick six. Oh, just the mere mention of it, don't you feel better today? If I started the week of kick six, every Iron Bowl probably from here on, they're going to show sometime during the week or before the game starts, they're going to show the kick six. Of course, you're just thinking about the game and you're thinking about where you were and what you saw and when it happened. I'm thinking about, that's when I started. Started the week of kick six. Feel free to think that if you'd like. But it's pretty easy to measure. At the, but after that, uh, after that kick six, I preached a message, and probably every pastor who's an Auburn fan has preached a message about what God can do with one second. In one second, he said, let there be, and creation began. In one second, Jesus came to earth to be born of Mary. In one second, after he said, it is finished, he died on the cross for all of our sins. In one second, on that Easter Sunday morning, he rose again and is alive today. And in one second, He's coming again. How about this? Less than a second. The Bible says the twinkling of an eye and a lightning flash. The prophetic events will happen quick. But it also carries with another meaning or application. It could happen at any time. It could happen today. It could happen before this day is out. It could happen before we finish this service. How will you react? Come, Jesus, come. Or will you have sorrow? Now, the Bible talks about two reactions of the second coming. Many will cry out and wail because of their sins and the coming judgment. But those in Christ will rejoice at the sight of Jesus coming in the clouds. I think the point is, is that there is no in-between. Those who are apathetic now, uncaring or unconcerned, will face the reality of their own sinful hearts or you will be overjoyed and give glory to Christ because your sins have been washed away. This revelation, even this morning, has revealed a lot about Jesus. What are we to do so far with what we know? We're to, we're to bring glory to His name, we're, for we have hope and we can trust in Him. It will not be the last time that we talk about Jesus coming again. But do you believe that He's coming one day? It's okay if you shake your head, if you do. It's all right, man. You can do whatever you... Do you believe He's coming one day? Do you really do you believe Jesus was born in Bethlehem? Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Those of you who are believers that you have been forgiven of all sin, that Jesus is coming again one day. Then why do we have such a hard time trusting today? Let's put more faith and trust that He's going to take care of us and He can take care of our every need, even today. Now, the Gospel of John is famous for the I Am sayings. John, the writer of Revelation, also the Gospel of John in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. But the Gospel of John has the I Am sayings where he says, I am the door. I am the gatekeeper. I am the shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life and others. And again, in verse 8, he writes here that we read just a moment ago. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. It's a direct connection to the name of God in the Old Testament. Moses asked God's name at the burning bush. Who will I say you are? Who will I say has sent me? And he said, my name is I Am. Jesus is the I Am. And he writes in these verses three ways 
that you can be blessed right away. Three ways that you can be blessed today. You are blessed today, he says in verse 3, if you'll read, hear, and keep God's Word. Now that word blessed is the same word that we understood when we read the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount and many other places. And sometimes when we think of blessed, we, we think how blessed we are in material ways. And on this Thanksgiving week, if you spent any time in prayer, any time contemplating your blessings, you probably prayed or thanked the Lord or were thankful for at least one or more of the big five. You know what I mean when I say the big five? See if I can get them. Faith, family, friends, finances, or food. Somewhere along the way, you thank the Lord for one of those along the way. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're blessed in those ways. But the better understanding of what it means to be blessed is to be able to be in a position and a place to be used by God. To begin to be able to get in on the action of kingdom work. Any of you ever been in class and the professor or the teacher you realize wants to tell you something that's going to be on the test. In fact, they may say, this is going to be on the test, or this is very important, or you want to pay attention. Or maybe you're a teacher, and you want to draw them a road map, and you want to be able to say, this is what you need to know, because you're going to see it again. This is important. I had a professor that would use the word behoove. He'd say it would behoove you to know this. I looked it up to see what it meant. It said, this is going to be on the test. It would... This word blessed, when you come across it in the Bible, is a word such as that. Not because it's going to be a test, because you want to pay attention. We're guaranteed blessings, able to, which means able to be experienced more of Him, able to be used by God. What does it say? You'll be blessed if you come and merely listen to what God's Word says. It's true of all of God's Word. You're blessed if you just listen. Now wait. You'll also be blessed if you come with Bible in hand and read along and watch and see if what is being said is true and even read it and find out for yourself. But wait, that's not all. While you'll be, receive some good from listening even more by reading for yourself and attain more by your reading, how much more if you come with pen and paper in hand and what's being said and you begin to write it down and say, this is be good to know. What if God has something to say to you? You want to remember and you jot that down so that you might be able to remember it. You'll be blessed by that according to what I'm reading in God's Word. But you and I both also know to keep God's Word means more than just writing it down. It means that we might be able to make application, that we might be able to live, that it might be able to change our life and we might be able to put it into practice. Now, Revelation doesn't have a lot of commands and actions like action plans like Paul's writing in the Gospels, but it does have some. But the Word of God will lead to action and true Christ-like character if we let it. It will mold us and shape us into people who can be used by God, and that's a true blessing. So I'm asking you this morning to take this journey with me, not just in the few minutes that we have left, but over these next few months as we get ready for Christmas, even as we move into the new year and our theme is to be on mission. Everybody's a missionary here, there, and everywhere. And even as we move even more so that we might find out how we might be able to serve until Christ returns. Even if you're visiting today. I mean, I want you to make this application. Even if this is not your usual place of worship, maybe you are from out of town and you're going to be somewhere else over the next few weeks and over the next year most of the time. We still take a journey together as believers in the Lord Jesus so that you might be able to grow in the Lord and so that you might be able to understand this blessing of having more of Jesus being able to be used by Him. 
Are you ready? Even today, are you ready? What does, what does Revelation, what does Jesus have for you today, even from this passage? Uh, most of this is found in verses 5 and 6 that we read. Here's the first one. How about this? Jesus loves you. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what your background, no matter what you've done, Jesus loves you. Loves you. Even if you're here today and you're not sure about this Jesus stuff, you're not sure about church, you're not sure even if He's coming again, you can be sure of this, red, yellow, black, or white, you are precious in His sight. But also this, Jesus sets you free by forgiveness of sin. Jesus sets you free by forgiving sin. He's washed you sins by the shedding of His own blood. Now understand as we're listing these and we're just reading these from God's Word, the first is true of everyone. No matter who you are, you can know that Jesus loves you. The second is only true if you've placed your faith in Christ Jesus and have asked Jesus to forgive you of all your sins. Only by the blood of Jesus is the remission of sin. The message is, don't be left behind. Give your heart to Jesus today. But there's another way in which even believers could be left behind. I don't mean from salvation. I don't mean left behind from heaven. But left out of the richness of walking and working in the kingdom. And it's the third thing that we read there in verse 5. He's made you a kingdom and a priest. He's made you, who are believers in the Lord Jesus, you're royalty because we're members of the royal family. You're of a priesthood. Now the first you understand is true of everyone. Jesus loves everyone. The second thing that we list here, we find in the Scripture that this is true of all those who've placed their faith in Jesus. The third one, He's made you a kingdom and a priest, is for all those who are walking with Him and experiencing this life to, and walking, seeking to walk in Christ's footsteps daily. Your king's royalty, ready to reign with him on high. You're also priest, which means you have immediate access to the Father at any time. You can go there firsthand and talk to the Father. Not only talk to him about yourself, you can go on behalf of others. And you can proclaim and you can pray on behalf of others as well. And the message for you is don't be left behind. God has a plan for the universe. He has a plan for you that will not only affect your life, but those around you enjoy being with Jesus as a member of the royal family and priest for Jesus. May we stop living like spiritual paupers, but may we enjoy the richness of God's kingdom. There was a uh, Pastor Tillman. He was actually the father of a religion professor that I had. Pastor Tillman had a stroke one day, spent some time in the hospital. When he got out of the hospital, the doctor told him, that he needed a vacation, maybe need to go to the beach. So he took a vacation, went to the beach, and he loves to go, loved to go fishing. So he and his buddy were out fishing one day, and oh, they were having a really good day fishing, and they were catching a lot of fish. So much so were they involved in the fishing that they did not notice the dark clouds or the storm that was brewing and coming their way. While Pastor Tillman was pulling in a fish, a particular time of the a wave came over the side of the boat and actually turned the boat over. And as it did, the gasoline from the boat actually fell and came on top of both of them. Here he was already weak from the stroke and even more so now with the gasoline that had been poured on him. He remembered out there that, you know, you'd get to the boat even if it's upside down. They weren't wearing life jackets. Nothing was floating except the boat. As soon as he got to the boat, the boat sank. 
And there he's thinking to himself, what a silly way to die. Here, here he preached about the great heroes of the faith, the many martyrs, people who had given their life for Jesus. And just as he's about to go under what he is sure for the last time, he's thinking, what a silly way to die. Then suddenly, even miraculously, a Coast Guard cutter came by and a big, burly Coast Guard officer grabbed the seat of his pants and pulled him in to the boat. He and his buddy were saved. The, the, this pastor saw this picture, this illustration. Every Coast Guard officer is trained in survival. And in the same situation, that Coast Guard officer would have done much better, maybe even survived without help. But no Coast Guard officer is trained just in order that they might save themselves. They're trained so that they might be able to save others. So over these next few weeks, in fact, you know today we've got one month before Christmas Day, so you better get ready for whatever. But over these next few weeks, we're going to have lots of times we come together for studying, for worship, and for fellowship, and for Christmas musicals, and all of those things. But we don't do, it, do this simply to benefit ourselves, though there is that. We do want to honor and glorify God in everything that we do and glorify and honor the name of Jesus Christ and perhaps learn to help others who need His saving grace. Here's, here's what I want us to do, church. Here's what I want us to be over these next few weeks as we move into the new year. I want us to be lean, mean, disciple-making machines. But I don't want you to be left behind. So here's the invitation. When Jesus comes again, or when Jesus works again, and He's always at work, don't be left behind. By the way, if you ever stuck on a deserted island and you're only allowed eight verses, these eight will do. Let's bow together for prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come to You even at this time. We... Continue to give you thanksgiving, Father, for all your many blessings. Not only for material blessings, Father, but the way in which you have worked in our own lives. And, Father, the way in which you continue to work through our church and church membership. We thank you, Father, that you've placed us in a position that we can get more of you and that we can share more of you with others. We pray, Father, that we will continue to grow as disciples, that you'll be able to use us in great and mighty ways, even in this Christmas season and even as we move into the new year. We thank you for the descriptions we have in your word. And we pray, Father, if there's one here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that they have come today not knowing for sure that they have a home in heaven or not knowing, Father, that you're coming again. May today be the day that they place their faith in you. Coming, asking forgiveness of sin. Giving their heart and life to you. We pray that all of us as believers in the Lord Jesus... May we not miss out. May we not be left behind. But may we walk with you daily. Get in on the things that you're working. It's in Christ's name we lift these prayers. Amen.